Welcome to the She Runs It podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole DeBoom. And Sarah Ratzloff. We are two successful female business owners who have found strength, confidence, and community through fitness. And we want to share that gift with you. Join us as we talk about what really matters to active women. We can't wait to hang out with you. Now let's get started. All right, Sarah, we're back. Hi, Nicole. Can you believe it? We made it to lucky 13. Is it 13? Oh, I'm a little superstitious. But (laughs) maybe this will be the best episode ever. Let's flip that 13 myth on its head. <laughs> well, I love you know how why? You know, in elevators, they don't even list the 13th floor. Like, I, you know, I'm not have... skipping the 13th episode, right? Right. It's 14. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at my notes, chick, 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 right? chick. Right. Well, you know why it's going to be so lucky today? Because we have an absolute pro on the show. We are. I am so pumped. I have been, uh, she and I have been trying to, to connect for years, years. So I am so excited. And the, she you just mentioned is Mm -hmm. the epic legendary Meredith Atwood uh, of swim bike, mom fame, same 24 hours podcast, um, all kind year of no nonsense book. She's on her second book right now, maybe writing a third. We might talk about that. And of most recent, internet <laughs> infamy the um recipient yes the controversial tummy tuck and mm-hmm. rectus diastasis surgery bum 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 meredith thank you for coming on the show oh my gosh that's hilarious every time someone <laughs> reads my bio i'm like who is this they're talking about it sounds like a yard sale oh it's me hi <laughs> oh so glad to be here it's good well, to see you you know, you're just so awesome. Um, you've been on the scene for a very long time helping women make their lives better. And you do it through this mix of like vulnerability and humility. You put yourself out there. You're edgy. You, you say it like it is. And I think that's what makes you such a breath of fresh air. You're not, you don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. You should talk to my clients. Like, I mean, imagine me in a one-on-one setting, but yeah, I just don't see the point. I think I'm too tired to sugarcoat. I'm too tired to curate my Instagram. I'm too tired to sugarcoat. So you just get me. Well, and that's really interesting. We love that. We do love that. And your story from back in the day when you were the other Meredith, you had also hit a point of being too tired. So Yeah, let's let maybe I think it would be a good um, starting point to share a little bit of how you got to where you are today. Maybe your your sort of my elevator pitch. Yeah, (laughs) your breaking point and your your rebuilding period. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. So I was talking to someone who was 31 the other day and I thought, oh, my gosh, that was like forever ago. But that's that was the age I was when, you know, the store my story sort of began which was me practicing law with two kids under two and I was 250 pounds and I had a two bottle of wine a day habit. So I was like living my best life. (laughs) I mean, it just was like rocking. Um, And it wasn't that I hated myself, but I hated my situation. I, I was like, this is what I was told I wanted. This is what I told myself I wanted. I have it all on paper. And I'm about to flip out (laughs) like any moment I'm going to flip out. And I was really miserable at the weight I was at. Um, I was back in the day, like in high school, I'd been an Olympic style weightlifter. I'd never been an endurance athlete, 
but I was strong. I had been an athlete and I just I saw was that not. picture, by the way, I was looking at your bio. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's an awesome picture. I, I mean, I was weightlifting when it was not cool. Like when we used to compete in Ramada yeah. ends in the ballroom <laughs> and people will walk by and be like, what are they doing? You know, CrossFit made lifting cool. Yes. Um, but you know, still a badass back- picture. I'm oh, just thank you. Yeah. But like 10 years ago, I just was miserable. And I wandered into a spinning class because my law firm had a lunch and learn. And I always went to the lunch and learns and because they had food. And at this lunch and learn, they sold me a gym membership and I wandered into a spinning class and I was changed. I literally sat on that bike in my fat lady leggings and cried. And I thought, how did I get here? But how can I change? This is nice. It's 530 in the morning. There's no traffic. <laughs> There's no children. It was just this moment that I call it my spark moment because I realized I could change. And fast forward a few years, my coach, my spinning instructor said, you could do a triathlon. I said, why would I want to do that? That seems dumb. And so I did. And then I thought, this is crazy. And I did it in the body I had. I was probably 230, 220 at my first triathlon and went on to do the big ones did my first half Ironman, wrote a book about that and went on to do four Ironmans, get coaching certified and do everything in the body I have, which right fresh now is 200 pounds. If anyone's wanting to know. So I'm still <laughs> a big one. Um, and so part of my body journey has been, where do I fit in? in this world of really ultra thin people for the most part. I mean, back in 2010, when I did, um, I guess it was 2011, when I did Half Iron Man Miami, I was the biggest girl there, period. End of story. <laughs> like It was Miami too, by the way. I should have picked oh, yeah. a different venue. Um, but I was, I was a big girl for a long time in the sport before I started seeing a lot more people like me. And so the question of where do I fit in in triathlon led to where do I fit in, in the world? (laughs) Where do I fit in with me? And, you know, I I know that answer now, but it's been an interesting journey. So I quit drinking five years ago. I got out of the legal profession, um, written a couple books and podcast. And so here I am (laughs) in my sweaty headband on a random Tuesday talking to you guys, you know, it's life is amazing. Right. Life truly is amazing. I mean, so you, I'm following this journey with emotion, like seeing the internal battle that you had with your, you know, unhappiness with yourself. And was it with yourself or your body? It was sort of like all tied together and you just started making changes. And I I would say I want to spend a moment talking about the spark moment because I think that's really important. You said it was the moment when you realized you could make change. So right. How tell just talk a little bit more about what that meant. Yeah. So as I sat on the spinning bike in the class and I looked in the mirrors, I saw my reflection. And in my first book, Triathlon for the Every Woman, I called it the fat stranger was my reflection because I was like, who is this person looking back at me? And in that moment, I chose to look at her and just accept it. Oh, that's me. Okay here we are. Here's ground zero. Like, this is what has happened. This is what you've got. And I also realized that as hard as it was to pedal that bike, that something was changing 
as I was pedaling the bike, that I was having emotion, that I was in the game, whatever game it was, you know, I didn't know at the moment, but I re- I had woken up. So I used to sit in traffic with my large sugary Starbucks and a scone and just sit there going through Atlanta. But that morning I had, you know, gotten up at five 30, there was no traffic. There were no children needing me. There were no stains on my clothes. It was just quiet. And that was how I knew I could change because everything that morning had changed everything, you know, from the moment I woke up to putting on the leggings, to sitting on the bike seat, to looking at the spinning class where I didn't fit in, everything was different. It was completely different from the day before. And that was how I knew I could change because it just did because I just showed up. And it's a really interesting concept of what, would have happened had I not showed up that day? Like, had I seen another spinning instructor? Because my spinning instructor sat at the front of the class and he said, do you know that every day is the first day of the rest of your life? That's how he started the class. And I was like, no, I don't know that. You know, (laughs) what if it had been someone who was just said something different and it didn't resonate with me? You know, what if I hadn't gone? What if I didn't go to the lunch and learn? And and so like the lesson is, it doesn't matter how you get where you are. Like I only went to the lunch and learn for the food. (laughs) But once I got there, I had choices to make. Okay, do I buy this gym membership? Do I explain to my husband? Yes, I'm trying again to show up and find some version of my former self. Um, But yeah, I knew in my soul that I could change because everything had just had. And I had a choice too. It was like, I can just leave this and be like, well, that was hard. And I cried in spin class. You can never go back. Or I can say, all right, this is something new. And I, and I, and I showed up to spin class for another year. I didn't change anything else. I still drank like a fish and ate like a pig, (laughs) but I went to spin class. So just kept doing it. Sarah, I see you nodding. Do you want to, do you have something to say? Oh, I always have the same thing to say. I'm like, oh, okay. So we did a podcast episode about this when we talked about we, um, Nicole's laughing because she knows what I'm going to say. This idea of just keep showing up, right? Like to your point, it's, um, it's your, your story resonates so much with me at this time. As I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start crying. I cry like every episode that we do. But, um, but I was, this, you can change your life one step at a time, right? It's not this, oh, I have this grandiose plan and I'm going to get here and here's what the end looks like. It's not, it's change one thing. It's do something different. And, um, and, and I think that your story just, um, shares that, uh, you know, and, and, and really highlights, what that is and this idea of like kind of knowing inside that something's not what you want it to be. You don't know how to get where you want it to be, but it's like something has to, to change. And I love that you, there's an end, not an end to your story, but um, you, you've, you did it, you changed, you did different things and now you are where you are in a, in a life that you're, you know, leaps and bounds happier with than, than when you, started and it's not because you're a size you know two um that doesn't no. equal happiness or four or six or eight <laughs> sometimes a 10 <laughs> mostly a 12 right a right. 
men. Right. And, you know, one of the things that has been really important for me to realize and uncover, and I think has helped people that know me and know the journey is that we often have a presenting problem. And I put problem in quotes. And like in my my book, The Year of No Nonsense, I talk about this. This is the outer layer of the onion you need to peel. So for me, it was like, well, if I can just lose weight, if I can just weigh 180, because that was my like fighting weight and weightlifting, if I can just weigh 180, then I'll do whatever, you know, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have time. Then I'll have energy. And that is just the presenting problem. One, I don't even know if my weight's a problem anymore. (laughs) Like, that's a question I haven't even thought about because it's really so far, it doesn't take my energy anymore. Let's just put it that way. But we come up with these problems. You know, mine was always my weight. It, never mind the fact that I hated my job. I hated my profession and I drank two bottles of wine a minimum <laughs> every day. But I need to lose weight. Let me go on a detox, but let me keep <laughs> drinking. And staying in a job that stresses me the hell out and with two kids under two, right? Like the presenting problem is not it. And I think that's where the frustration with us happens so much because we're just slamming into the wall and we're not dealing with the big bleeder. And and whatever that is in your life, you don't want to deal with it because, well, that's hard. (laughs) That requires you getting real. Yeah, And, you know, to face something like drinking or hating your career or your relationship or the place you live, that's real. Fumbling around with a diet, that's mm-hmm. something else. That's just distraction and nonsense, really. It's a language that women understand, though, right? It gives of us course. something to talk to each other about and this and that and then up and it down. But so how do you find the big bleeder? I mean, how do you... Yeah, that's so that's really the big topic of my last book, which is the year of no nonsense. And I kind of take the reader through that process. Um, But the biggest example I would bring to this podcast would be the idea of the onion. So if you're holding an onion and you've got the crackly outer layer and you think, okay, if I only lose weight, then I'll fix everything. My question to you would be like, why or what then? Okay, let's peel that back you know, why are you overweight? Why are you unhappy? Okay, well, I'm overweight because I eat too much. Okay, is that really true? Or is it because you drink too much? Is it because you don't act like, what is it? Right? And if you take a, an onion that says I'm overweight, this is my problem, and you peel it down to the core, you're probably going to get to a lot of excuses and some childhood trauma. Ta-da! Doesn't that <laughs> sound like fun? <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, no one wants to do that. But that's the truth. The thing we're stuck on is attached to something way back then that we didn't deal with or that lesson we haven't learned. So the lessons will keep coming until you learn them. And for me, the lesson, you know, (laughs) I've had so very many at this point. Um, But the lesson is that my body is where my soul lives. And so it's how I experience the world and I can take care of it. I can celebrate it, but I also don't have to take it shit. Like, I don't have to be like, I love this body the way it is. Like, no, I can go change it. I can make it what I want it to be. I can make it reflect my soul, which my soul is like a size six bodybuilder. I got news (laughs) for everyone. Like, that's what my soul is. My soul is fit and she flexes her muscles and she shows women like, 
that nothing is impossible, but my body doesn't look like that quite yet, but that's what my soul feels. And so this is the whole like push pull on, Oh, are we just giving into the media and the patriarchy wanting to look a certain way? Sure. Probably. But when I was six years old, I went to my uncle's bodybuilding show and I watched this stage of muscular people. And I was like, this is amazing. I wanted to do it ever since. I thought, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. How do they do that? And so for me, it's not rooted in anything other than, this is just something I want to do. This is something I want to figure out. This is part of my journey. If I can figure out Iron Man, surely I can figure out how to wear a bikini with some oil on my body, (laughs) you know? Um, And so that's where I get kind of unhinged on the body positivity and acceptance movement. Cause I am very much for it. If you love your body and you celebrate it, I don't care what you look like. That's on you. But if you're not happy in it for whatever reason, it's okay to say, maybe the media does influence me. Maybe I don't like the root of this, but I know that I'm miserable. So what do I do about it? And so that's kind of my new journey. And so the tummy tuck, we can, <laughs> we can dive into segue. that. It's a perfect um, segue. Can I yes. just say, yeah. um, I, what I really admire so much about you is that you actually made a full and complete lifestyle overhaul, but you just did it one pedal stroke at a time. And there are very few times in our life when we can feel the changes happening while they're happening. We usually look back and we're like, oh, that happened wow, that looked like that might've been painful, but you were like in the process, feeling the change of the moment. And that's a magical thing. And I think it brings you power. So huge, massive kudos for you for tackling the toxic career, the um, drinking problem, which I know all too well alongside you, Um, the, the relationship with eating, you know, your relationship with your own body image, like trying to do all that at once is insane. So <laughs> I agree. Something, something about your journey that um, it just worked and it takes time. And I think that's the thing that most people don't want to face is that it does take time. And I you think don't there's do this <laughs> assumption too, that you're going to get somewhere. Mm. Like, you know, oh, I'm going to get here and things are not going to be hard. Like I ate pizza and ice cream this weekend and had conversations in my head about how that's dumb and you're a loser and da, 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 da. It's still there. The same mean girl, the same dialogue, the same shitty, everything. It never goes away. What you learn is how to talk back to it. You learn that it, what you just ate really doesn't matter. Just eat better next meal. Like you start to get tools on how to cope, but this, we're going to get somewhere And, you know, eating, if you've struggled with eating your whole life, here's a newsflash, you're going to always struggle. I don't care if you tell me intuitive eating works. (laughs) One day you're going to wake up and you're going to be laying on a pizza, intuitive eating or not. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Because there was a time last, two summers ago, I hit my lowest weight at 181. I was sitting by the pool and I said, I have gotten this. This will never be a problem to me again. And God swooped down and said, you haven't learned your lesson, have you? (laughs) Let's put 30 pounds back on you and see how you do. (laughs) You still love yourself. 
And just like that, I was back to 200 pounds. You know, every single food I put in me, like I did it to myself. And so I was like, no, I didn't learn the lesson because it's not about the freaking food. It's about the way I care for myself. It's about the way I show up. It's about my, the conversation I'm having about the food. Oh, here we go again, you know? So that's why having this goal weight, this destination, I think it's great, but I think you got to get really real about it. Well, and I think what you, weight doesn't make you happy. It no. does. It, like at the end of the day, it doesn't. If you haven't dealt with your internal issues of neglect, loneliness, self-hatred, I mean, people say mean shit when you're growing up, right? And then we internalize that. And then, and to your point, there really is, there literally is trauma. Probably all of us have suffered some kind of trauma. And when you heal that, when you heal the trauma, and you can understand and you can like rewrite the story because we don't understand. We don't understand. Like it's so wonderful to have my kids and watch them grow up and realize how much they don't freaking know. But yet we're like, we're creating our own life lens, our own understanding of life. When we're six, when we're nine, when we're 12, we don't know shit. We don't know anything. We don't actually even understand what's happening in the world yet we're expected to, to filter, understand, comprehend the way that our parents are treating us, our peers are treating us and then take that into life and like, Oh, Hey, it's cool. Just, just, you know, everybody knows how to do this, be a person. Like you get to an age now in your thirties or forties, whatever, where you get a chance to go back and you say, okay, what happened? Like, why am I, I'm just reacting to X, Y, and Z and sort of on this hamster wheel. And to your point, women have been given this idea that, well, just focus on your weight because when you weigh what you want to weigh, you're going to be happy. No, you're not. It's easier to go shopping and you feel slightly better about yourself, but it does not equal happiness. Right. Um, and so I think you just bring up a really good point of peeling that back. Like if you're drinking two bottles of wine um, a day, if you're drinking two glasses of wine a day, myself, what the hell are you covering up? Like, what are you, granted, we're in a pandemic, so everybody gets a little bit of a pass there, but what are you running away from? And if you face it head on, it probably doesn't have anything to do with weight. And if you heal that, then who cares what you weigh? Who cares what you, you know, be happy with you. And that's what, that's what matters, you know? Right. So anyways, there's, I always, I always like my soapboxes. I get a <laughs> I know I always joke during the podcast. I'm like, hold on, let me get my soapbox and I right. get it out from under my desk and I stand on it. And <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. So I love that. Well, so, okay. Speaking of that, one thing um, that we have been talking about, and I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk about this is kind of this idea of being mothers and carrying children in our bodies and how it like, it literally changes everything. Um, and it doesn't go back and it manifests itself in different ways. Like our body breaks down when we have, when we have children. So Nicole has talked a lot to me about, um, just the way your abs do your abs don't grow back together. Is that right? I, th that hasn't been my issue, but how, what is that? 
that we've talked about. I'm going to let Meredith cover it because this is actually, as we're segueing into the to tuck or not to tuck conversation, you mm-hmm. recently had a procedure, which is sort of commonly called a tummy tuck with this ab muscle repair, which right. is really called rectus diastasis when the ab muscles tear apart generally through childhood. And from my understanding, you can get them closer together through like exercise and whatnot, right. you know, physical therapy basically. But for a lot of people, it doesn't ever grow back. And I have a separation for sure. I can put like one and a half fingers. It's not that bad, but some women can put like a freaking fist through their belly. It's yeah. insane. So Meredith, why don't you do a little education on? Yeah. <laughs> and I, so here's the crazy thing. I, I'm not super well educated on all the terminology, but here's what I know. Um, I had two kids 14 months apart, right? So my firstborn, I had the baby, the stomach went whoop right back. I had Stella, my second, and the stomach went boom and it landed like four and it just hung over. And I was like, what just happened? Like that belly did not go back. I got up to 280 pounds with her. I ate a lot of cheesecake. She is very sweet. Um, (laughs) So fast forward, like my body did not bounce back whatsoever. The lower, you know, they call it an apron when you just got to hang. And it just didn't bounce back. And so as I slowly, again, I was not active, so I didn't notice it. Um, Then I started doing triathlon, did not notice it got back to my roots with weightlifting, started throwing weight over my head, realized I was peeing my pants a lot. And that's not necessarily going to fix it, but it is tied together because pelvic floor, like all of it, you know, is tied together. And then when I started squatting heavy, I could feel my back giving out. I could feel instability, even though I could hold a plank. Like when we did the crazy plank challenge years ago, I mean, I got up to like three minutes. I think I can hold a minute now. Well, before the surgery, just without even training core. So it wasn't that I didn't have core strength, but there was something off, you know, something off. And so I started with this dream to do a bodybuilding show and I started shredding weight and my belly was just my, my, my belly button got sadder. It's frowned more. It disappeared. (laughs) The apron, um, got saggier. And my coach, she's a super, my bodybuilding coach was like, that's going to, you can't do anything with that. He's like, well, you gonna get on the stage with that. And I said, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's fine. And then just the combo of, okay, but I want to do this bodybuilding show and what is going on with my instability. And then one day I was doing burpees at CrossFit. And every time I hit the ground, it was like, flop my skin. And I just, it was like, all I could hear every time I hit the ground, flop, blah, blah, blah. And then I was doing jump ropes, double unders, pop, 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 pop. And I could feel it just like everything loose and flopping. And I thought, what the hell's going on? And the thing that made me go to the surgeon was I was doing a full clean, which is when you take the bar from the floor with weight, catch it on your chest, squat down with it, stand up. And I had like 155 pounds on the bar, which is a lot of weight, is not a lot of weight in my prior life, but it is a decent clean. I did that lift. And all I could think about was blah, 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 (laughs) was my stomach bouncing, like from the impact of the weight, bounce, bounce, bounce from me squatting up, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. 
And I thought, this is taking up too much headspace. This jiggle, when I'm throwing up 155 pounds, when I'm doing 100 burpees, and all I can think about is the reverb, <laughs> like this is too much energy. And so I had, I had a friend um, back in Atlanta. She had had a tummy tuck and she was a lifter. And she's like, Meredith, this is she had five kids. So she wins. Um, she said, it's the best thing I ever did. She said, the recovery is horrible. You will not regret it a second. And I realized there was not a lot of people talking about it. And if I had not had her, there's no way I would have even thought about it. I would have just thought, you just love it. You love your loose skin. You love everything. It's fine. Um, but when I made the connection to how much energy it was taking, how, how much joy the flopping was taking out of my workouts, it really annoyed me. And so I went to get a consult for the, the surgeon, um, for the, for the procedure. And he was like, yeah, so what we basically do is cut you hip to hip and we yank your <laughs> skin tight. We make you a new belly button and we take all of these muscles in your core and we put them back where they belong so like this down here which is like completely separated we will pull together and I was like huh and he's like yeah so I have lower I had lower separation where my apron was and he's like oh yeah that is like I don't know three four fingers there <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh so it wasn't that I went and di got diagnosed with this that I had PT it was just a matter of being annoyed. And I had a consult and in that consult, the surgeon's like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just fix that. He said, any women with more than two kids, he said, one, you can get away with, he said, but women with multiples and especially with, you know, as close in age as yours are, he's like, it just, you got to have repairs. Your skin's never going back. And he's literally like, you know, first of all, that's the most humiliating thing you'll ever do. <laughs> is go to a plastic surgery consult. Like at one point he took my belly and pulled it up to my boobs. Like I kid you not, because he needed to know like the skin. So he pulled it up to my boobs, pulled it down. He's like, yeah, I think we have enough to work with here. And here's the magic words that made me, and this is just me personally. It's not a judgment, but it made me click to say I was worthy of this procedure. And this is I realized ridiculous, but he said, you know, you don't need lipo. We can just go in and do the muscle repair and pull your stomach tight. Now, most people have lipo with a tummy tuck. If I had it done again, I might get it done because it makes you look like sassier. Okay. But because to me, I had worked so hard and for him to be like, you don't even really need us to suck any fat out because you've done the work it meant a lot to me emotionally. And I was like, Oh, I deserve to do this because of that. And I realized that's insane. Okay. But for me, that meant a lot. And I thought, well, now I can go to the next step of this. And so then it was <laughs> convincing my husband that this kind of money is reasonable and, um, you know, then going through with it and it is the worst pain. Do not let anyone tell you it is fine. It is not fine. It is horrible. <laughs> it's the worst procedure ever, but I don't regret a minute, a minute of it. I did regret my first sneeze and there was a coughing fit at day six where I thought heaven, like Jesus, come get me. My son came running up the stairs. Cause I was like, cough, cough, ah, cough, cough. Ah. Oh my gosh. That's so loud. Sorry. Um, and you know, he's like, what's wrong mom. And I'm like, nothing. I just sneezed, you know? Um, but it was just what I needed for me. And yeah, I had, you know, and I was like, I knew I was going to tell people about it. 
because that's who I am. I'm not going to show up in my bathing suit picture and be like, look how hard I worked and look how I have a normal belly button. <laughs> Someone would be like, what did you have done? <laughs> like last time we saw this belly, it was like seven inches lower and the, the belly button was frowning. So it was never an issue of, am I going to talk about it? But I waited to have it done before I did because I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> and I did hear it. I did well, hear let's, it. Let's talk about that because I think, you know, what you just shared is empowering. It's, it's points out the fact that we can make our individual decisions based on what feels right to us. So why is this so controversial? You know, of course you're going to share it. You're a public freaking person, you know, you're going to do that. And that's part of like your vulnerability and putting yourself out there. Um, but why, why are people criticizing you making this decision? Why do they have the right to do that? And how are you dealing with it? I mean, number one, anyone that has the balls <laughs> to post something critical, um, that's their, their issue, not mine. Like, I see that coming from a mile away. You're projecting, let's talk about it. Like, let's get on a Zoom call and work through this together because I really would love to. Um, but people are disappointed that I couldn't just love my body as it is. And my response to that is the morning I went in the surgery, I literally opened up my gown and thanked my belly for everything it had done. I like honored it. And I said, we're just going to go on a new journey where you're flat and hot and wear crop tops. Okay. <laughs> you know, that is my journey. Now, had I had a tummy tuck six years ago when I was drinking and had not dealt with a lot of my shit, I think it would be a different result. Um, I think people want to put you in a box a lot of people preferred really overweight, drunk Meredith Atwood, swim bike mom to this version of me. I made them feel better about themselves. <laughs> I made them feel faster. Um, it's all our own shit. So anyone's got a problem with it. It's because they got their own shit. You know, the vast majority of people are like, way to go, you know, followed you for years. Good job. And then I get tons of messages. Oh, I want to get this done, but I can't tell anyone. Or I got this done 10 years ago and I never told anyone. And I'm like, okay, why don't you tell someone? Like, why don't we remove the stigma? Why don't we right. start talking about this? Why don't we talk about body positivity as me just slamming my head into the wall, chicken and rice for two years and having an apron that slapped the floor? And say, hey, I might want to spend my energy on squatting versus thinking about this anymore. And honor that, you know? Well, and what I loved were um, Nicole. I mean, Nicole and I had talked about you, you know. Um, Behind your back. Yes, I felt it. Message. All positive. <laughs> no, but I was, I don't even know. I, I, you popped up on my feed and I was like. I mean, you were so forthcoming with what you could and couldn't do. And I loved the pic. I was like, oh, honestly, it felt like educational to me. I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't right. know having kids like literally like change everything. And our, the generations that came before us, they weren't. They're not bodybuilder. I mean, you're like a, if you were a bodybuilder in, you know, the generations before us, you were like a strange anomaly, right? Like outside, 
but we are a generation of women who grew up as athletes, right? Right. And we don't want to give that up just because we gave, because we had children, right? right? And, and um, in fact, being an athlete or a competitor is so deeply ingrained in some of what we do. It's like giving up a piece of ourselves to not be an athlete, right? So what the hell is wrong with if, if you're also, I'm like, you can bring your muscles back together. Like that feels right. like a really solid, cool. This feels like a good idea, you know? And it like does. one of the comments I got was like, you're 41. Like, what do you care in 80 years when you have a flat stomach? I'm like, I got 40 more years to live with this stomach. Why right. shouldn't I love it? You know, well, like and you want to be able to <laughs> perform. Like, would you, if you broke your leg, would you just live with your leg being that's what yeah broken? like you wouldn't you would be like well I want to get back on the bike and I want to like bike again so I want my leg to not be broken and I'm not saying everyone should choose to do this but we're different we're not this is not cosmetic surgery of Barbie dolls for breast augmentation and things like that which again some people that's what they want you know who who cares to be honest but there's a different, we're a different generation of women. And um, I think I loved how, how open and just, like I said, educational you were. Like, hey, look, here's what it is. You didn't hide the blah, blah, blah before. You showed it. <laughs> you showed blah, it. Blah, blah. <laughs> And then you showed like, hey, this, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. You could see the changes in your body um, because of, because of the, the repair of, right. of the muscles that have been broken. So I just wanted to share my perception and why I, I was like, Nicole, we got to have her on this podcast. I want to talk about this with her. I want to see, I want to understand what had happened because I think it's such a cool thing that you did and then to share it with other women is amazing. And, well, and, and here's a good example of how this kind of process procedure doesn't solve anything because I went to CrossFit. I told Nicole, I was like, I'm going to CrossFit for the first time tomorrow. I might not be alive for the podcast, <laughs> but I will try. Um, but I went and I wore my crop top, right? So I'm still wearing compression because you're in compression for like up to six months. So there's another educational bit for you. But I was like, I'm in my crop top. I'm going to take off my compression. This is what I've been dreaming about, right? And so I took off my compression. I showed like, you know, three inches of belly. And the whole time I'm like, what does this look like? Oh my God. And I thought, are you seriously having this conversation with yourself right now? Are you? And I, I was like, Meredith Atwood, you had a tummy tuck and you're seriously saying, can you show your belly? But that is just proof of how nothing is fixed until you fix it. And so the the headspace around this that I still have work to do <laughs> despite being gutted and having everything fixed. But the funny thing is I puffed up like a marshmallow after like five minutes because the compression <laughs> keeps you in. And so I was like, poof. And I'm like, well, that really doesn't look very good. I can objectively say that. So let's just wrap that back up. Um, but it's not gonna fix nothing. It's just like getting to your goal weight. But this is 
a journey I have to now go on like, oh, you actually don't have the blah, 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 blah anymore. So you got to like learn what it's like to proceed with your new stronger core, which actually my core is super weak now. That's the the irony. Like they stitch it back and then you got to build it back. Um, so like, it's like ground zero, you're fixed, but you can't do nothing, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just fascinating what habits we get into with our mind, what the body image, like how deeply ingrained it is. And to think a diet or a tummy tuck is going to fix anything. It's not. Um, and I still have a lot of work around my belly to do, to build it back. And so along with building my body back, I am building my mind because this is a new version of me and it's one that's unencumbered by the jiggle belly, (laughs) but in my mind, it's still there. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy pants and I recognize it. And so, you know, I'm, you know, if people see me on Instagram in a crop top, they're like, Oh my God, she's in a crop top all the time. Know that I'm forcing myself into that crop top. (laughs) Like know that it's hard for me but it's bullshit for me not to do it. Like, this is what I, like, this is what I wanted. Right. It's like, I got to do it. I got to like love this body because I've worked hard for it and it looks great. Like what's wrong with you? You know? So that's it. You know, (laughs) I feel like the big message bubbling up is that we are in charge of our own journeys and our own paths. We're in charge of doing our own work on ourselves. Yeah. We like to spectate other people's lives. You know, I think the reason people feel offended by the fact that you might have done this surgery or had this procedure is because there's a little bit of a taboo around the fact that we shouldn't care how we look. But the truth is we all want to look good. But by admitting that we sound vain and vanity is bad. And I will tell you, when I started skirt sports, I saw my reflection just like you did on the spin bike that day. And I said to myself, my God, I look like a boy. I don't want to look like a boy. I just want to feel and look pretty. And the truth is I did want to look pretty. I wanted to feel pretty more than I wanted to look pretty maybe, but they're tied together. And I got hate mail from people who were pissed at me for saying that women should look good or hot or care how they look while they're working out. And my answer was, I don't care what you want to do. That's your choice. This is my choice. And it sounds like a lot of other people are jumping on this bandwagon and also feel the same way as me. So for all those people who are, like you said, they've got their own issues, they've got their own work to do, and they're reflecting that back on you, um, maybe you can turn that around and help it give you strength because you have the power through your deconstructing of your onion which by the way, your belly is like the core of your onion or something like That's you've right. gotten down to the core. And yes. by, and the other thing is that it doesn't escape me. The onions make you cry. So we've got a lot of tears on our journey here of onion peeling. Um, but right. you have a power to help other people through the fact that you have just finally said, screw it. I'm just going to be open in the world. And you're doing really cool things that women can participate in with you so that they can gain some strength from the journey you've had. Um, So maybe I'm kind of segueing us into a little bit of, I I was on my soapbox for a minute, by the way, in case you didn't notice, (laughs) Um, (laughs) that you have a community where people can participate and be part of this beautiful energy, this raw, real 
you know, no sugar coating energy to help them gain strength in their lives. So talk a little bit about this community that, that you've built. Yeah. So when I came on the scene, like in 2010, Facebook and Instagram was nowhere to be found. Facebook was relatively new. And that was back when you posted something and all your followers saw it, you know, before right. the algorithms, before you had to pay. You didn't have to and pay. so I did a lot on Facebook. And then, um, I, then I just didn't, it just didn't connect with me anymore. I was tired of the groups. I had fatigue. And so I built a new platform. It's called Meredith Atwood Coaching and Community, Community and Coaching coaching and community. It doesn't matter. Mac, M-A-C-C. And you can join. It's free to join. You do have to request to join. Um, if you have a history of hating on me, I'm not letting you in. Like everyone doesn't get to come play. Um, but for the most part, I'll let you in. <laughs> um, but it's a free community. I have uh, articles in there. I have resources. And starting in April, I'm going to do weekly free speed coaching. So what that means is you hop on a Zoom, you tell me what you got going on, and we talk about it. I'll help coach you through it with the years of coaching experience I have, whether that's uh, diet, exercise, career, like whatever. We just we just chat. And so that's my, um, my free gift to <laughs> my people. But you can join. The easiest way is to go to my link in bio on Instagram, click um, request to join. And I will eventually let you in. And so that that's that. And then I have my podcast, of course. So it's rounding out about episode 300, which wow. is crazy. Fourth year. And um, got some really cool guests coming up. Dustin Milligan's coming up from Schitt's Creek. He was the guy who played Ted on Schitt's Creek. He's going to be on there next Friday, um, which is cool. And then this is, this is nuts. And this is an example of the universe, like blessing me because I got an email from Dan Harris's people, the guy who wrote 10% happier. Yeah. He, she's like, so we need to reschedule the podcast for today. And I was like, uh, okay, you're not on my calendar, <laughs> but like they apparently thought they booked. I didn't like, I don't know what happened, but apparently Dan Harris would have showed up to an empty zoom room with me today, you know, and, and it's just like, she's like, we got to reschedule. And I'm like, Oh, no problem. Like, you know, whatever's good for Dan. I'm like, Oh my God, what happened? And, you know, so I'm getting some really cool guests there, but um, yeah, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, when people are like, well, what's next for you? I don't flip and know I'm figuring it out. I am working on a third book. Like when I say working on, it's in the very early stages promises to be a little more lighthearted than the year of non no nonsense. Um, a little back to my roots with some humor, but yeah, that's, what that's about it. the, um, what about the weightlifting show? Is that happening? Oh yeah. So that's still on my radar, like for sure. You know, that is, it's, it requires a lot to really, a lot of diet, <laughs> a lot of, it's a lot. And so I got to, I got to be ready. You know, I got to like get into that mindset because it's, it's a lot of turkey and rice and nothing much uh, else. And, um, you know, I really can't do much right now. That's the other thing. I'm six weeks post-op and I'm probably another six weeks before I'm really back at it. Like I'm, I'm looking like I'm doing stuff and I am, but it's very slow and it's very careful. And, um, so it, you know, it's, it's definitely on my radar. It's on my dream list. And, you know, I may go back into Olympic weightlifting in a couple of years and, and compete as a master's lifter. Cause I think like, I'm looking at the records that stand and I'm like, I could do those. <laughs> and so it's like this competitive, like, could I really get back on a weightlifting platform and compete? Um, I, love it. I don't know. We'll see. 
I don't know what I'm doing, ladies. I don't. <laughs> well, you're just, That's you're still peeling. Beautiful. So keep peeling, peeling away and keep spreading yeah. the joy as you go. And I will say for anybody listening who is asking the question, is it time to tuck or not to tuck? <laughs> Reach out to Meredith. You know where to find her. Her, your website's in the show notes. It's Meredith at swimbikemom.com. Swimbike mom still. I yeah. mean, I, I, it still is. You've evolved swimbike mom, but you'll always be that in a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for it's sure. amazing. So at the end of every episode, we do some takeaways. Um, this is Sarah's thing. She likes to have her bullets. She likes I to do. like package things up into a nice little list. And I, I, I let them fly. So Sarah, I have written down some notes in case you need some help, but I think you might have this one. Bring it on. What are our takeaways? You know what's funny though, Meredith? I was the one that was like, uh, Nicole was like, well, let's just tell stories. And I was like, uh, no, I need bullets. I need takeaways. And then as time has gone on, I'll be like, oh, we're supposed to do takeaways. I was just so in involved in the story. Nicole will be like, here are the three takeaways. <laughs> Got your back. <laughs> Which, yep. I was like, oh, wait, I forgot we're doing this. But they're always fun. Okay, so my takeaway number one is um, that you're awesome. And <laughs> I'm so happy to have finally met you. And you're, you. like, your energy is just off the charts and I'm certain we'll all be in contact again. Um, so that's my takeaway. Number one. Thank you. Um, takeaway uh, number two is um, that you can change your life step by step. Just keep showing up, keep following a path, even if you don't know what it is and look inside um, to your core, not core muscles, but what's happening in there? What are you covering up, you know, and try to solve that little by little. Um, and then Nicole, I'm going to give you the third takeaway. Um, there's a few, but let's, let's do, um, dun, dun, dun. It might be more than three takeaways. Okay. Well, the minute you say I have got this, you need to turn around and dig back in because the universe is going to come show you that you don't. So boom, <laughs> that was a good one. And maybe, maybe a fourth would be that when you realize something is taking up too much negative headspace, that is the moment it is time to make a change. You like it? Yes. It's good. Nice job, ladies. There's like 10 takeaways. I mean, it, this whole <laughs> episode was like a takeaway. Just keep it. We might have to transcribe this one. <laughs> Meredith, you're absolutely amazing. We love you. Thank you. You are too, both of you. Thank you so much. Do not hide yourself. Keep putting yourself out there in the world because we all need more of you. Thank you. Yeah, I agree completely. Meredith, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Thank you.